Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Baby, 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 yeah. Whoa. Ooh, ooh, yes. Oh, lately I've had the strangest feeling. Are you just riffing? Is that is that what you were just, uh, is that how you come off that Instagram live? Just like delirious? This is all for you. You know, I'll do those Instagram lives for you to make sure this this podcast is successful. I don't believe that. Well, I do. And that's all that matters. Hold on. Let me get my notes. <laughs> He's actually going to get notes. Sim, uh, chime in here. Has he ever gone to notes before, like with Kate on sibling revelry? I've never seen him this prepared in my life. I'm actually very, very, very impressed with you, Oliver. I mean, he's late. He's taking this let's, seriously. Let's just say that. He's late. He was doing an Instagram he Live. I had to text him, and on his Instagram Live, he said, Oh, I'm getting yelled at. I got to go. It's called being responsible. Set yourself like an alarm. Or do you, do you have an alarm on your iPhone? No, look, there's there's part it's it's called charm, buddy. You know what I mean? Being prompt is not charming. Well, it's not like we can't I mean, first of all, you're vital to the success of this podcast. If you don't show up, we're kind of screwed. So, charming or not, we're just going to go. I did I take notes. I do take notes because I want to remember what goes on during my week. And I want, um, you know, to have sort of topics to talk about that happened to me in the week. So, yeah, I take notes, man. This is what I do. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm excited to know that you're thinking about this when we're not doing a podcast. What, uh, where do we start with your notes? What's your first note? Let's see. The first bullet point I have. (laughs) (laughs) You should basically doing like a PowerPoint. I don't know what's gotten into you. Well, I did this. I did this the last two, two our two episodes. I just haven't talked about it, but now it's been brought up. Now everyone knows my secrets. So no anxiety, dude. I've been fucked up the last four days. Like I have that too. I wonder, and this is just me because I am the same way, and I, I do suffer from diagnosed anxiety. I wonder how many times a day I think about coronavirus and I convince myself that I have it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the problem is, is 
you know, I, I've been doing that, and then it's sort of I, I am able to then put it out of my head and be like, dude, you're fine, everything's fine. But in the last four or five days, I haven't been able to, and it's been sort of spiraling a little bit. So Aaron's here right now, she's, and she's the one who's been dealing with my shit in the last few days. Hmm, I can't she, imagine that poor woman, all the stuff she goes through. Well, she yelled at me last night, you know, she's like, get your shit together, you know. But I just happened to walk by, Joe, right when you said, talk, you know, talking about Ollie and his kind of ability to not give a shit and stay in the moment and not worry and stress. And I just was like pointing to you and I was like, see, because that's normally who he is, but he's literally kind of like lost his shit in the last few days of every cough, every breath, every, you know, minute is kind of like, oh my God, I think I have it (laughs) or I think I'm dying. So this is a coronavirus thing or this is like a life thing? I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, but I think the coronavirus, because I said, I was like, it's, you know, if coronavirus was like, you know, a a red bumpy rash on, on your hands or something, you know, you would be looking at your hands and probably convincing yourself that like they're itchy, right? So I, I think yeah. I think it's but his anxiety in the past right. has completely um right. suscept- I was susceptible. I mean, I went through I went through, you know, 8 months to a year of like intense anxiety in my 20s, you know. And a lot of his symptoms were in the chest, in his throat. Um, you know, so they're kind of showing themselves, I think, in uh in similar ways. What she's trying to tell you is that that uh, after she yelled at me, I I took her down pretty good, didn't I? Well, he I I was not even close to yelling, and he goes, "Why are you yelling at me?" <laughs> right, which was really funny, and I was like, "And then and then what did I do to you?" And then I said, "Are we having a fight?" And you were like, "We're about to." And then what did I do to you? And then I said, "Are we gonna have makeup sex?" <laughs> and then what happened? You bet me over. Woo! And wow. she's leaving. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, Aaron Hudson. Uh, well, that's Bye good. Well, then look- I miss you. Mwah. Guess what? We were supposed to be in Cabo right now. Miss you. I know. We should be there right now. Uh, so look. Look what your anxiety. Look at the, the pretty present your anxiety brought you uh, last night. Well, no, I know. And anyway, I don't want to make it all about me. But you know, honestly, one more thing, and then we can maybe talk about something else, because it, this is it's semi-important. I, I've been on antidepressants before anxiety for a long time now. I weaned off of them years ago, and then I went back on. I've been on Lexapro for about four or five years. And I, like a fucking idiot, I, I pretty much decided to wean off of Lexapro during this time. And I cut it from 20 milligrams to 10, um, which is probably too big of a jump. So there's a, you know, this could have been like sort of a perfect storm scenario as well. Well, I consider that good, though, because the, one of the tough things with antidepressants is how do you really quantify if that particular one is good for you? If any of if any of them are working, and if you have this is cause and effect, you've gone from twenty milligrams down to ten. Now your anxiety is ratcheted up. You know that 
you're on the right drug and you know that your dosage is proper at 20 instead of 10. I think that's a that's a big discovery. Yeah. That's good. But there's also, I think I just made too big of a jump. You know, I mean, it's. I think you have to take it slower. And well, it's hard to cut those little pills into something smaller than half. <laughs> Believe me. Otherwise, like... <laughs> otherwise, you look like Tony Montana, like <laughs> getting the dust off your bathroom sink and rubbing it on your gums. It's basically the train spotting of Alexa. <laughs> I, should, I should maybe go to a, a doctor to... To try to do this correctly, but you know, yeah, you should get different denominations in I pills. Know, like I... when you go to the bank, you don't get all tens. Well, speak for yourself. You get some fives. Speak for you yourself, Joe. You get some twenties. Speak for yourself. I get all tens. I know how you love I, those. I tens. like tens. Tens are underrated, by the way. There are not a lot of tens out there these days. You notice that? Like think I, think I about agree. it. I think that's another conspiracy. How about how how tough do you do? You have a tough time not clicking on something that a friend sends you other than the guy that pops up in every video regarding coronavirus that's a joke going around the United right. States Right. There's America. never a problem opening that up ever. The dick is always but, in your face. But but here's but the conspiracy things yeah. and everybody's theory on what's going on and how to properly treat coronavirus and the whole big pharma against Mhm vitamin a and d and c and mm -hmm. that it's being handled perfectly right and social distancing's great and then you get a video and somebody says it's the absolute opposite thing that should be happening and we should be going mm -hmm. on about our lives and getting this whole herd mm -hmm. immunity thing uh, immunity yeah. and i i just it's hard to stay the course in this mentally which mm -hmm. has to be adding to your oh, yeah. anxiety and i think it does to mine too i mean you and i we're 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 both on antidepressants i tried lexapro that that had uh that had sexual side effects for me did it yeah oh i i need sexual side effects because i'm just too horny yeah, it wasn't that. It was. It was that uh, your boner didn't. There was your boner of, didn't work. No, it was no. That was you, fine. But it was you, like a, it was a numbing. It was like a natural numbing. Oh, you couldn't orgasm, right? Well, maybe. Yeah, which you know, that's that could be good for Michelle, I guess, because you know, sometimes you go too fast. So maybe get back on the Lexapro. Yeah, but it's not good when you're watching a good show like Ozark. <laughs> you you got to get back to it. That's true. Okay, we good here? Uh, that's We got two more episodes left. Can we stay awake? That's our night. Do you think we can stay awake throughout the entire episode of Ozark, which is so good, uh, it's amazing that anybody could fall asleep, but with twin boys, we can fall asleep during really anything, mm -hmm. and it's it's a challenge, so it's... How do you pace your night to get through an entire episode of filling? Hey, by the way, speaking of that, you had your anniversary during during quarantine, right? You guys just had it. We had it on Sunday. How was it? Um, it was good. It was a family affair. Uh, my girls were here, the boys, obviously, and we ate uh, as a group. And then again, Michelle and I eventually fell asleep. So it was, uh, but we had our date night prior to that on Thursday. Oh, right, right. 
which I set all up and I went and got the drive through pickup food and I did the candles and I put out the wine and I, I it was time that I took care of my mm-hmm. girl, which Good. I did. And we it was great. It was it was a nice diversion in an otherwise hectic, chaotic, tiring household. Did you guys talk about anything new? Or was it the same old shit? <laughs> Well, that's the hard thing. It's like, okay, now we're here. It's like, all now. we do, we're, we're one foot from each other all day. Now what? Totally, dude. That whole idea. Look, it, 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 the concept is beautiful. The, the, the intent is amazing. But at the end of the day, when you do a home date night, it's like, all right, we got dressed up, which was a pain in the ass. And like, now what? We're just sort of like talking about the same shit we've seen each other all day. You know, I guess just keep just drinking, you know. I I actually, I I planned out what I was going to talk about because I was worried about this very phenomenon. Did you really? I told her something that her brother swore me to never reveal to her. Wow. I I let it go. Wow. I violated my I violated my brother-in-law's trust for the sake of having conversation during our date night 3 nights prior to our actual anniversary which ended in snores and uh the finale of Ozark. Did you you know how before games you have your little like sheet? Did you did you like make up one of those things? You know, you sometimes you I had an open. Yeah, you sometimes Yeah, I was like uh <laughs> Good evening, everyone, and welcome to date night here in the Buck household. Joe Buck, along with my wife, Michelle. Beautiful evening for a little getaway inside our own home. We've got candles lit. We've got wine open. We've got food on the table and more in the microwave. Let's go to break. And when we come back, we'll kick this thing off with something your brother swore me to never tell you. That's how it went. For more, let's go over to Michelle. Michelle, how are you feeling today? Well, pretty much the same, Joe, uh, as as I did uh, for the last three weeks, and tired of seeing your ugly face. And good, I'm yeah, I, I know how you feel. And uh, hey, how about my daughter's coming over? Yeah, that was fantastic. And how about the boys? Good, we'll be up at oh five fifty tomorrow morning. Great. Well, let's go nuts. Let's finish off this bottle of wine, and well, we'll just. Uh, We'll roll the dice with that one. <laughs> That's amazing, dude. That's great. Uh, like to welcome it. you That's all really to funny. a fantastic date night here in the bucket. <laughs> That's it. Now I now I now I miss broadcasting. No, I know. Well, do, do you, did you call your own orgasm? That would have been amazing. <laughs> As you were ramping I know. up, you, uh, I, well. Uh, well, apparently your orgasm, your your date night orgasm was like you know a three inning rain delay, and then you won, pretty much, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it didn't go nine yeah, innings. It was, uh, no, it didn't go nine innings. It was a rain shortened affair. <laughs> it was a rain shortened affair here at the uh, Buck House, where uh, well, let's just say we didn't need to go a full nine. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> we had a winner. And we had a loser, and I won. God, wow, my God! It's that's uh, dude. I'm just being real. It's all I can be. Look, we all it's all uh, I can be. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. You know what I mean? I actually made a decision today in the shower. I am done mailing it in. 
we're, I'm going to turn my attitude around and I'm going to have as much fun as I can have yeah. with my wife, good. be brighter and not let everything weigh down. No, good. Me. You need to make that same decision. I do. I, I do. I mean, this is just a moment in time, I think, and I'll be over it. I think this is probably good for me even talking to you and fucking doing something, you know. Um, we're basically each other's therapist in this case. I, this did, did we talk about this already? The misconception that sort of like women want a man to last like hours in bed. Oh, we didn't talk about this. Well, you we? and I have not talked about right. That, but well, I've, I've thought about that. Often. Well, you know, I, I think there's this this misconception. Like I think dudes think that women sort of want you know like a, a two hour session. And that's just not the case. And I mean, maybe it's specific to my wife, but I have, you know, her friends all talk about it as well. They don't want to have sex for 10 hours. They want like a good 10 to 15 at most, by the way. Right. Does that include the conversation? No. No, the conversation is like two and a half, three hours. And then it's... Oh. No. I mean, you know, foreplay and everything else, blah, blah, blah. Let's go... all in, all, 15 all in fifteen, and let's get out of here. You know, they don't want to just keep going and going and going and going and going. I mean, I've heard more complaints from, but I, I think that's, but that's, but that 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 perception has been created from porn. Let's say porn. Yeah, a movie that you may watch on a site that you you know visit, and then people are looking at your phone for the rest of your life. Yeah. So I have a story actually about some about porn, and because porn had messed me up, meaning like, are all dicks like this huge, or you know? But then you get some small, you get some small porn dicks, though. You know what I mean? Sometimes you watch a porn, and you're like, oh, how'd this guy make it? No, all the time, all the time. But I'm also checking out their bodies only because I'm like, <laughs> my body sucks. Like if, I, I can't. Could I theoretically? I mean, I don't know. That guy's not that yeah. ripped. No. Oh, oh there's know? some. Oh, dude, there's all kinds of porn porn actors who are like Jesus. But anyway, uh, but that is that is there are there are small porn dicks where you just wonder how. Do you know how much I don't want to talk about I, this on any podcast that I'm associated? I know, with? I know. But I already got admonished by a guy on Twitter from Philly, mind you, I believe. Or an Eagles fan, maybe an Eagles fan that lives in England, who said, "I tuned in. I, why are you so foul mouthed?" Oh, really? Yeah. So they. Yeah, but you know what? I don't pay uh, attention to that kind of stuff. It's like you don't like my language. I mean, come on, man. Like that—that's not that's that's your own problem. Sorry. Go listen to Barney's podcast. <laughs> Hello again. It's so nice to have you with us. Are you all ready to have a good time? Right. It's Barney and Elmo. Well, hi, Barney. Yeah, I'm ready to have a good time. How are you? How's your week been? <laughs> Let's see, Mr. Noodle. Hey, Mr. Noodle. It's potty time, Joe. <laughs> we have been watching potty videos that are really disconcerting. That, oh. that this stuff is out there. Oh, dude. You talked about, you know, the other video. These are as, like, crazy. Some of the stuff that they, the scenarios that they're creating mm-hmm. to eventually lead a child to the potty <laughs> are so, <laughs> so 
nuts. It's crazy. And I'm watching this like, and my boy, my boys are just like mesmerized. Yeah. And they still don't get the concept. They're going to turn two in uh, two weeks. And they, no, I, I know. Still coming up short. Have on you that. seen the Elmo potty video? It's called Potty Time, where he does a whole song about it. Oh, it's it's classic, dude. You gotta you gotta you gotta Google Elmo Potty Time. I still remember the song, okay. I think. But but your boys have dueling potties that are like right in the middle of the living room. Maybe we need to give them a little privacy so they can sort of do their business. That's fair. I went to a camp when I was a kid and I was ten, I think, the first year that I went summer I was there for three weeks. And the toilets, it was like a cabin kind of a camp thing, and it was it was in Branson, Missouri. And the toilets to go number two mm-hmm. had no stalls; they were just toilets, like mm-hmm. out in the middle of the <laughs> the bathroom. All right. And I went three weeks without using one. No, what did you? You just held it? Is that, yeah, that's got to be. It's yeah. I didn't. I was so freaked out. Jesus. I was so freaked out at the idea of taking a shit yeah. with no walls around me. Yeah. That I just didn't. Wow. I mean isn't that, isn't that impossible? Yes. I, I, that that the, unless maybe I mean I maybe I went once. I don't know, but it wasn't like I, I I the way I remember it, I didn't go. But if I did go, it was once, maybe twice in three weeks. That's that's crazy. I mean, and I was so homesick, and I was such a little fat boy that I lost. Like my mom showed up, and she almost didn't recognize me. <laughs> I was so I had lost so much weight. I guess that's why I didn't go to the bathroom because I didn't eat. Uh, I was so miserable. Yeah. That uh, well, hey, it's funny. I, I guess uh, you know, back you know, summer camp. We I went to camp, you know, for three four weeks at a time when I was ten eleven years old, you know, and it was there was it was scary, but I think that's it's part of sort of growing up, you know, it is figuring, it is, being figuring away shit and, out when you're away, yeah, yeah. But I don't, I wouldn't want to do that now as an adult. Go to camp? I don't want to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to go right now. I would love to go to camp, dude. We should not. With- we should open a dad camp. That could be part of our whole brand. It's just a. It's a daddy issues camp. We're all dads. It's only dads, and it's like. Is it seminars or no? Is it, fuck that. Know, lake time. Yeah, and- no, there's no seminars. You just go. It's an adult camp. Fishing with Oliver. Yeah, you just you're just like you know we can cultivate weed on the property. Oh, you know, I see what you're there's doing. There's a brewery. So basically, no, there's a there's a there's a brew, or there's a um, you know a distillery, so you can distill different alcohols, brew, brew your own beer, like we do adult camp things, daddy camp. This things. is how this is how Jonestown started in Guyana. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Maybe it's a hey, idea. it's an adult camp. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're laying with, down in with, a purple tracksuit right, and you don't uh, wake up. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I know those are two different cults, by the way. I'm just pushing. No, the two that was the Nikes. As I look at you, Nikes. Right, the Nikes. That wasn't Jonestown, but I, I, as I look at you, you're in kind of a lavender hoodie. Yeah, it's pink. So I think you're you're kind of it's pink. I think you're kind of starting it as we you're, you're starting mm-hmm. the oh yeah the ground. <laughs> the ground foundation laying of a cult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. An adult camp. Uh, by the way, 
someone will steal it if they if, after listening to this. I think it's a great idea. You think that makes the cut in our podcast, the adult camp? I don't know. Who knows, man? So we're kind of waiting for Alex to jump in here. Um, What's up, fellas? What's up, handsome man? I am. uh, Who are you talking to? I know that's not me, but I'm doing well. (laughs) Yes, it is. How are you, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thank you. I'm pretty psyched to be on here, man, with my boys. That's good stuff. Yeah, it's... it's. I was wondering if when I sent you the information, Alex, and you saw the title of our podcast, Daddy Issues, if that would send you running, <laughs> running for the hills. Uh, yeah, almost. It almost did. But wait, I hey. have no one to talk to, so I'm, I'm just glad that someone's listening to me. <laughs> hey, we all have we all have them, man. How are you? Just overall, great, you good? You're I'm good. good. I'm good. It's, I mean, obviously, crazy, crazy times, and so sad, but. We're just trying to make, you know, lemonades out of lemons and spending time with the family and, and actually not getting on a plane for an entire month is kind of like a, mm-hmm. a great achievement for us. So, Well, that's nice, though. I mean, we were, we've talked about this before, but the silver lining of all this, if there is one. And by the way, I think there are going to be many. You know, once we can sort of battle our way through, I think a lot of there's a lot of good things that can come out of this. You know, even though we are so separate and we're not connected there is a connectivity that is happening, and especially families who aren't able to be together because of work or certain circumstances now get to sort of, you know, actually spend a lot of time with each other. It's, a, it's an important thing. You know, it's interesting. I've seen people actually turn to nicer mm-hmm. and more patient and uh, just, just cordial, right? I mean, you never thought of all the things that have happened and, and, and Joe, I mean, I know both of your dads, but, uh, you know, you know, Jack, Joe, your father, when, when he was here, uh, I talked to a lot of my friends that are in their eighties and usually I go to them when things are tough and things that I have never seen in my lifetime. Usually, uh, you know, people like Jerry Reinsdorf and others like, yeah, 1981, this happened and 92, this happened, uh, with this, everyone says the same thing. I've never seen anything like it. And, we don't know how to handle it because we've never seen it. So we're all kind of in the same grounds and trying to survive and do the best we can and obviously encourage everyone to stay you know, disciplined and, and safe. No, it, it's funny you bring that up because if, if there's one thing I know about you, Alex, uh, it's that you have always had a reverence for the people who came before you, you know, and, and even when I was broadcasting with Tim McCarver one of one of the first interactions you and I really ever had from announcer to player was you talking about how you grew up being such a Mets fan and the Tim was the everyday announcer on television on I guess it was WOR and you were watching him you really learned the game of baseball from Tim and it, it made it made Tim feel so good that a current player you know, recognize that and, and you had that connection to him. So it's interesting that you like to talk to people that are older than you during times like this or, or just everyday life to try to pick their brain and, and see, you know, where their experience uh, could help you out. Yeah. And Joe, you know, I'm, I'm a baseball geek and uh, I, I admit it and I, I just love it. And I don't, I don't hide it. That's for sure. Um, but I mean, I geeked out when you said, we'll see you tomorrow night, 25 years later. <laughs> 
I literally, you know, came up to you and I'm like, man, I thought that was just the coolest, coolest thing in the world. And I think a lot of times we, we sometimes get embarrassed or we get ashamed of saying, I really look up to you, even though you're my same age or I, I admire you or there's parts of your work that I have implemented as little nuggets and implemented into my work. I think all those things are good and fair. You don't have to hide the things you like about somebody. I mean, God, Twitter knows that that's made for all the things that you don't like. And I think we have an opportunity in times like these to really either reach out or connect with people that, that do inspire you. But I know that Tim would always tell you, Joe, I have no idea why he comes up to me. He's so excited. (laughs) I mean, it's wonderful. Alex, I, I love him. I love him. Yeah, uh, but it, it it made a it it made a an impact on him, so it was cool, and I was glad that, that you did that uh, toward the tail end of our time together. And Oliver, you've known Oliver f- over the years too. Uh, you know, oh uh, yeah, made- I made I made Alex, I made him who he is today. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> we shared a lot of meals, a lot of yeah, meals, we did, and a we couple did. pops. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Hey man, did you grow up a Mets fan, or was that a totally influential? I mean, it's, it's almost like you know, you look at your dad, and whatever your dad does, you want to do as a little kid. You know, for me, yeah. honestly, you know, you know my story a little bit. My dad wasn't around much, but Kurt came into my life, so he was the one who sort of influenced me. I know you had an interesting situation. It's not similar, but there's a there's a thread there. But like, you know, did 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 your dad was he the one who made you a Mets fan, pretty much? Yeah, it was actually my, my big brother who, who was kind of like a hybrid of kind of my my dad, big brother at times. We had different roles, right? I mean, I felt like I was at home. My mother had two jobs. Uh, my father left us when I was 10. And my brother became the secretary of sports and my, my sister became the secretary of uh, of education. And, and my mom was, you know, going out there and grinding it for 18, 19 hours a day, uh, being a secretary in the morning and serving tables at night. And uh, my brother was uh, born in New York like me, and he was a Mets fan. And what's interesting that I think a lot of New Yorkers and fans of sports and baseball around the country don't realize, like the New York was a Mets town for parts of the 70s, 80s, and in the mid-90s. They gave it back to George Steinbrenner and the Yankees, and they haven't gotten it back. But New York has this enormous uh, fan base, and being growing up in Miami – we had three teams we would follow just by the nature of cable television. We had the Chicago uh, Cubs on WGN. We had a superstation TBS, America's team, the Atlanta Braves, and God, they were horrific. And then uh, we had the Mets, and they, they were rocking and rolling with Dwight Gooden and Strawberry and Gary Carter and you know the captain Keith Hernandez. And Tim McCarver was such a great broadcaster, he would say, I'm not sure why Davey Johnson is playing here. He should be hitting and running with a guy on deck and the guy in the book. So he was such a savant when it came to being an educator that I would sit there and I just really loved his voice and how you know opinionated he was. Mm-hmm. You know, when when I look back on your story, Alex, and it's 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 really a truly amazing story. Your your early years, I mean, there was a lot of bouncing around for you. I mean, born in New York, but then to the Dominican Republic and then to Miami. And then, I mean, that, that was a lot of moving around. Did you, did you feel that? Did you sense that? Was it, was it hard, you know, with friends on the playground or or whatever it might be as, as a little boy kind of connecting and keeping those connections? It it, it was very 
challenging, but Joe, I didn't know any better. And, and as a kid, you just learn to survive. And the common thread for me was baseball. And I realized that no matter where I went in the world, if I can find a stick and a ball, uh, that would be my therapy. And it was my comfort food. And it was for many, many years. And, and then we got back my first four years, as you know, Joe, I was in New York, then four in Dominican, and then back to Miami when I was about eight and a half. And that's where I joined the Boys and Girls Club. In many ways, it became my third parent. And uh, what was interesting, I knew early on that I was a scholarship kid. And that meant that I had to uh, get good enough grades, means you know, C plus and higher. Uh, I, ne I needed to be a decent baseball player where I can like, at least make the team better. I didn't have to be the best, but good. And then I had to be a good kid because that was the key for other, my friend's parents to say, hey, Alex is a good kid. I want him around my kids. So therefore, I'm going to pick him up and go out of my way and go an extra 25 blocks to my neighborhood to pick me up and take me to class. And, and you know, Oliver and Joe, if it wasn't for those great parents uh, and mentors that actually took uh, an interest in my life, uh, I wouldn't have been uh, the baseball player, had the life that I've Able well, that's, so that's a good question, actually, because, again, I mean, I, I can only relate it to myself, but, you know, when you come from sort of a broken home in a way and you're looking for that male influence, it sounds like you had many, you know what I mean? But was there the one, I mean, I know you got one and then Victor, of course, your father, but like, was there... Was there just many of them or, you know, who, who is, is it, who is the man that you sort of looked up to growing up? You know? Yeah, that's a great question. There, there was a lot. And, and I've always been gravitated. I've always gravitated to strong, powerful men uh, and powerful just by, you know, personality, not, not by bank account by any means. Um, so it was funny. Uh, I went to a nearby elementary school called Everglades Elementary in Miami. Uh, and uh, uh, probably about, few miles from the University of Miami. And I would see this team play. Uh, this, I just arrived from Dominican Republic, uh, just uh, got into the fifth grade at Everglades Public School Elementary. And I, I didn't have a team. Uh, I didn't know anyone. And there was this little league team that I noticed practiced every day at four o'clock. And I would sit under a tree and watch them. And I probably watched them about 78 days in a row. And uh, I was like, man, I, I can really, I think I'm better than those guys playing. As a matter of fact, I <laughs> and I just didn't have the resources and I didn't have the confidence to say, hey, can I play? And I couldn't afford to play in the league anyway. So I was just like, my joy was to sit on that tree every day and play. And Oliver, I would literally get up and I would start like pretending like I was hitting but I was like, people thought this kid has gone crazy. Like he is now on day 80th and he's now imitating the guy <laughs> hitting. And I would pretend like I would be hitting, but I'm like literally mm -hmm. 200 feet away under a tree. <laughs> and one day it was raining and uh, there were a couple players short and uh, JD's father, who happens to be uh, the pitching coach now at the University of Miami, who's been my lifelong friend, his father, he was the best pitcher. He was left in the pitcher. His father said, hey, you. Now, my heart stopped. Mm. I mean, there's no one. And, and there's 10 acres. There's no one around me. I go, me? He goes, yeah. Who do you think I'm talking about? You. I'm not talking to the tree. I'm going, yes, sir. Yes, sir. He goes, have you ever caught? Catcher. I've never, ever caught. But my father was a catcher. Mm -hmm. And I said, 
Caught? Yeah, yeah, I've caught. So I, and now it's pouring rain. I'm putting on the gear. I have shorts on, so it's cutting me up terribly. I'm terrified. I'm now catching no cup. I mean, this is his, his whole cup. <laughs> and and his, his son is just throwing gas. I mean, he was one of these mm-hmm. kids that was just throwing like, like full speed at 12 and, and mm-hmm. bigger than all of us. Anyways, they, I did well. He said, hey, if you're around tomorrow, would you come back? I go, yeah, I've been here for the last 78 days. I'll be back. And then I played four or five days and the rest is history. I went, ended up playing with that team basically for the next, um, you know, 10 years. Hmm. Wow. That was my story. Yeah, it was. Wow. And that's, and you got yeah. the, the dad, Arteaga, who that's, they provided you with a lot of the equipment, um, stuff that you needed. So you had these mentors um, and you know, it's funny when you were talking and, and you started that story, I was thinking about my dad and my dad at one point was, uh, won the Horatio Alger award, which meant in essence, coming from nothing and making it into something. And he, he didn't accept it because he thought it didn't speak well enough of where he came from, even though they were dirt poor as kids, he saw his mom and dad's work ethic and he thought, well, I saw how hard they worked. I didn't come from nothing. We didn't come from a lot of money. And and I so when I see you and and I see you now more than maybe ever, I, I think, you know, there's a guy who's really made something of himself and came from but you didn't come from nothing. You came from, you know, a lot of people that took you under their wing. You came from a mom that was working two jobs to put food on the table for you. So you can't, you came from plenty. You came from a place, you know, with as much love as, as you could get. And then, you know, you saw what a good work ethic could bring you in life. And you applied that to the game of baseball. That's right. And, and, and really it was my mother. I mean, watching her just grind it out, you know, for 18 hours a day and leave in the morning. And uh, I remember Joe and Oliver, she came to one of my games and this was an anomaly. Like she'd never had the time or the, or the energy really to come because she was serving tables at night. And I was so nervous. It was uh, one of the championship games. And I remember uh, uh, we were Caribes. Our team looked like the old Montreal Expos. And the team we were playing was Little Havana. And they were orange and blue. And a kid by the name of uh, Tim was pitching with freckles. And he threw three pitches over my head. And I literally jumped like I was dunking a basketball. And like a pinata swung at it, obviously missed all three, came back to the dugout crying. And all I wanted to do was just put the ball in play or make something happen because my mom was there and I wanted to impress her. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, you know, one of those things where you're just like, you just got to calm down. Uh, mom's, you know, mom's not going anywhere. What about now, this sort of relates to it, and maybe I'm jumping way ahead, but I read something, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when your dad came to see you and you hit two, two out, right? What was yeah. there extra motivation in that moment? Or was it just, this is, you know what I mean? Like, how does that, how does that work? Is that just beautiful happenstance? Or are you like, fuck it. You know what? This is for you. Yeah. Thank God I was 23 and not nine. Cause I was afraid <laughs> that if I did that in Minnesota, that a dome, I would be in trouble. But you know, Oliver, what happened was uh, my, my ex-wife, Cynthia, who, who's a great lady and has her master's in psychology and, uh, you know, thank God, cause I, I needed a full-time psychologist at home. <laughs> um, 
(laughs) We all do, dude. We all do. (laughs) What what happened was uh, I I wanted to close the loop because I had not reconnected with my father uh, for for a long time. But I knew he was getting older in age and I wanted to close the loop. And uh, so I picked a city that I thought nobody would be at, uh, no natural media. So I picked Minnesota and uh, he came for a four game series. Uh, Cynthia took him shopping uh, before uh, the four games. He came to all four games. He sat there in the front row with Cynthia, and I absolutely pro- went off. It's probably one of the best series I've had in my entire career. I think I had like five home runs, drove in like 12 or 13 runs, and it was like God telling me, this is this is your moment with your father. Uh, enjoy it, seize it, and uh, and I did that's beautiful, dude. It really, it is because, um, you know, just from a personal standpoint, I'm just reconnecting with mm. my dad right now. Um, you know, we're texting here and there. He lived in Mal- he lives in Malibu. He lives in Malibu for for my whole life, but we just have not seen each other, and we're sort of just getting to know each other again through text. It's a very slow process, but that's just the way it is. But I feel like it's important for me to do that you know he 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 has his circumstances his situation was such that he didn't have the opportunity really you know to maybe love me the way that he wanted to given his circumstances you know mm-hmm. what i mean and i think it's important to be compassionate you know for you know your dad or your mother who, who whoever has wronged you to understand where they came from you know yeah, because my Alex- dad I was I was going to say Alex do you get to the to that point as an adult where now as instead of the hurt kid wondering where dad went you look back on it and you can kind of see where he was and and not make excuses but you you can kind of understand that a little better as as an adult Yeah you know you, what, what what you learn at 44 now is is how much you didn't know at you know 24 and 34 I mean, at 24, I thought I thought I knew enough to be, you know, the the king of of the kingdom. And my God, was I stupid! But but what what what's interesting is is that everybody has their past and their circumstances. And when you get a little bit older, uh, you become more forgiving, more compassionate, and mm-hmm. you understand that people have their reasoning, and you become less judgmental. And, and what it does, it frees you up uh, from from judgment and Oliver, I think what you're doing is outstanding. I encourage you to, you know, keep it going. Obviously, at your own pace, but uh, it, it can soothe you and your heart, and it just makes you a better person. And I think uh, also a, a better father as, as you kind of get into it. Because uh, Joe, you talk about being a, you know, the ability to sit with my girls and talk about uncomfortable issues or having laughs or uh, telling them, let me tell you about my experiences. And then you sit and pray and you hope they make all the right decisions because, my goodness, we know all the temptations they have. And they're much greater than the, two, the three of us had when we were their age. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I wanted to break the cycle. You know what I mean? I remember at a very young age, I was like, I, 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 w- I don't want to be that person to my children. I, 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 I will never, no matter what happens in my life, I will always be there for my kids because I was, I guess, cognitive enough to know how it affected me, even though I didn't understand the, the true psychological ramifications it might have as you get older. But I didn't want to be that person. you know. So now I raise my kids within an inch of their lives. It is the most important thing. you know. I mean, did that inform the way that you parent too? It's like, all right, 
I, I'm going to be a fucking, I'm super dad at this point. Yeah. I know I, you got, you know, you got a big job as far as being a ball player and being on the road, but you know, it's very important to raise your kids the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Look, uh, my, my kids have grown up with, with Joe and, and Joe, his kids have grown up with me because we've been in, in it together in, in the family of sports and baseball. Um, but what's interesting is 34 years ago, my father left us. And it was from that day that I was committed uh, and start preparing that when it was my my opportunity and it was my turn to be a father, that I would be present and I would raise uh, kids that were you know humble and grounded and that uh, they knew that that dad w- was there and you know for little girls especially man uh mm-hmm. father we play such a big role and it's funny because I, I look at joe and, and what a great father he is with michelle and, and joe is it's hard to get joe excited about anything because he's pretty much seen it all <laughs> but when his kids uh and when he says you know nat his, his daughter uh now this you know coming into being a, a great young actor hopefully has an opportunity to to develop her career uh, anytime that she does anything great, he lights up like a Christmas tree, uh, much more than when he does anything good. He gets happy when his kids. Do. And I feel I think we're all the same way with our children. Oh, yeah. And how do you do that, though? How do you keep them humble? You know, I mean, look, at the end of the day, you're you're a rod. You know, I mean, I had a again, similar situation. You know, my mom's not a rod, you know, but she was a big. But celebrity. she could hit. She could she hit. Can hit. She can hit. That's true. But how, how do you how do you do that? I mean, that's not an easy task, you know. You know, I I, I recently had 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 dinner with uh, someone who I admire very much, Coach Belichick, with with the Patriots. And uh, you know, as a father, you, you, as a parent, you're a coach. You know, you're a player coach. And uh, one of the things that I, I like to give my daughters is choices. And I got I like to give them all the. Uh, here are all the choices. Um, here are some of the ramifications. But ultimately, I trust your judgment. And, uh, and and I've always been I've done that from day one. When it comes to grades, I don't care if they get A pluses, but I want A plus effort. And if that's a C, that's a C. We'll deal with it, right? But but that's how I do it too. Exactly how I do it. Yeah. But at dinner, uh, you know, over the last you know ten days, we've been talking about uh, some of the challenges they have about being. Uh, you know, our kids and Jennifer is your stepmom, you know, just like you, Oliver, you had stepfather and all of that. Um, there are challenges with that. But what some of the messages I've been telling them is that people are going to expect you when they meet you for you not to make eye contact, for you not to, you know, shake hands, for you not to say thank you, for you not to write thank you notes, for you not to be appreciative. And uh, when you're not those things, then you get a, a great payoff. Um, but just know that the only way that you can mess this up in life is by losing your way, losing your discipline and losing your humility. If you do that and you do something you love uh, with people you respect, then you, you'll be just fine. Mm, you had that. It's it's funny you say it, you said that earlier about being a scholarship kid, because while the circumstances are very different, you always knew, even as a little kid, that eyes were on you. You had to do you had to do the schoolwork. You had to get good enough grades. You had to be a decent ball player, but mainly you had to be a good kid because if you weren't a good kid, all these other parents who kind of took you in would say, "Hey, I don't want my kid hanging out with Alex. He's he's not the kind of." So you always knew you had eyes on you, and now these kids, you know, I've I've got kids from twenty three down to two. 
uh, it's a it's a different world. But eyes are on you. If if you're a Rod's girls or if you're Jennifer's kids or now you've got this beautiful blended family, man, you've got a lot of attention. And if you if you mess up, you're going to be in the headline, not the other kids that that are involved in whatever you end up doing. That's that's right. And you know you have to massage that between. Uh, you want them to make sure that they're their own person and that uh, people are going to say, well, you're Jennifer's stepdaughter, you're, you're A-Rod's daughter. But ultimately, uh, Joe, you, you, you are in the situation, Oliver, you as well as having, you know, parents that are great parents that are institutions. Um, you have to be able to say, use that to your advantage. And Joe, maybe at some point I'll, I'll have Natasha talk to you and, and cause I, I don't have all the answers, right? I just, want them to be the best versions of themselves. Don't, and, don't do that. Don't have them talk. About <laughs> don't do that. That's a, that's a bad idea, dude. The best not thing, a good idea. The best thing my dad ever did was not push me to be a broadcaster. I saw his love for going to work every day. So because I considered him my best friend, I think that's where it starts. I didn't really, he's traveled so much when I, I was, I was beyond, a well-behaved kid because I didn't want the time when he was home for me to have to be disciplined. So I was, I was a good kid and, and I wanted to maximize that time. He took me everywhere. I was in every national league city by the time I was 12. And because I saw his love for what he did, then I wanted to do that myself, but he never pushed me that way. He let me find it myself when I was doing it, and he was one seat over, and we were broadcast partners. It would be like, you know, your girls being in a lineup with you. Uh, he never hovered over me. He never said that, well, here's how I would have done it. He just let me succeed or fail on my own, and I think that's the only way you can do it as a parent. And as a kid, you know, I, I, I now probably appreciate that more than ever. But even back then, I was like... I, Okay, we're we're partners now, and and being a partner with your parent is one of the greatest gifts that a kid can get. I, Joe, I love that, and I wish I would have had an opportunity to spend more time with Jack. But you know, answer me this if you can: like his work ethic was like like legend. Is that I I look at you, and you know, even Jennifer asked me like, does Joe still like this? Does he still work at it? And, and I told her, I said, this is the hardest working guy that I know. And uh, he's a great husband. He's a great father. But the way this guy gets after it, he works harder today than he did in his first World Series in 1996 when he was a young boy without a beard. And uh, is that something you got from your father? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, my dad, as I said, was a come from, you know, very humble beginnings only went to college because he went to World War II and the government paid for him to go to Ohio State and was a self-made man and literally worked every day. I can't think back on a time when he wasn't working every day and he had, you know, he got divorced and he was paying alimony and he was not rolling in cash. I mean, he had to work his ass off to to pay for, you know, the the bills that were streaming in. So I I saw a guy who worked 10 times harder than I work now. And I carry some of that guilt around with me. I mean, I know you see me doing baseball and football and these worlds collide, but I'm also not doing the day-to-day stuff that he was doing. So it's, you know, if I talked to Natasha, it would be like, 
You know, you're going to have to blaze your own trail and you can't compare yourself to your dad. It's a different world. It's a different time. You know, my dad was a radio guy. I was a TV guy. I could go on and on and on. But the point is, uh, yeah, I saw a guy who worked and would rather work than be off. And, and man, that's it's a hard it's a hard example to try to live up. To. But you make it you make it you make a good point though here, you know, because this is something that I deal with is comparing yourself to, right? I have done that, you know, since I started in this business because I've got Kate and then Mom and then and then Kurt who are all big stars and now Wyatt as well. And uh, the most debilitating thing for me has been comparing myself to myself to them and their careers because that can really put you under and so in the last five years it's been my work to sort of say look i'm my own person my path is my path whatever is going to happen is going to happen for me you know it's impossible to compare myself to them just because it's it's we're just completely different human beings and it's going to work out the way it's going to work out as long as i can work hard and, uh, you know, just, just let, let the chips fall. Let's see what happens. And it's, it's taken some pressure off of myself, the expectation off of myself, you know, which is nice, which is nice. And I'm sure, you know, your girls and Jennifer's kids, I mean, it's, it's gnarly. It's hard. You know, it's, 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 it's a Cadillac problem. There's no doubt about that. Let's be, let's be clear. You know, we're all very lucky people. But, you know, it's just about forging our own way. You know? you know, Oliver, you, you mentioned the last five years and, and obviously Joe's a, a very good friend and someone who I trust has given me some great advice over the years. And he knows some of this, but the last five years of my life uh, has been the best years of my life. And, and mm-hmm. I think uh, not because, you know, J-Lo is my girlfriend or I have four beautiful kids. Yes, of course, all of that. But but really has been uh, the way that I've been able to turn uh what I stared at death with my suspension in 2014. Uh, and it was all self-inflicted. I obviously have no one to blame but myself on that. But, but the lessons that I learned from being a pariah, from being suspended for over 162 games, the longest suspension in Major League Baseball history, and to come back and realize, my God, I am the luckiest human being, A, to get a second chance, but B, to finally wake the fuck up and realize that, I I have to do things the right way, and uh, you know, for for great you know fortunate situations comes great responsibilities. So I, I look at my life as I get into the kind of the back nine of my life, and and I'm so fortunate a to have a second chance, but b to be enjoying it with with eyes wide open right now because pre suspension it was a different world, and over the last five years I've really just a learned to not take myself so seriously. And B, just to, you know, bring, introduce levity to every part of my life because it's not that serious. That's great. right. It's so good, man. It's so good to hear you talk like that because I, I feel like you're, you are your most genuine self right now. You know, like when, when you were playing, I, you had a lot of walls up and, and some for very good reason. Uh, but now I feel like you're, you're, opening up you're not all the way open i don't think anybody can be in this world anymore where you know everybody's looking for the headline or everybody's looking for the gotcha or the soundbite or the whatever that's hard to be but i feel like you are your most authentic self at in your mid-40s is that fair oh i mean joe if you asked me for this interview 10 years ago 
I would have probably set up three phone calls with you and drove in you and Michelle crazy and said, okay, what are you going to ask me? How are you going to ask me? What, is the, what if Oliver, does Oliver have anything? Let's investigate him. And, and, and literally Joe texts me and, and I'm sorry that I, I didn't get back to you right away, Joe, because I've been swamped. But Joe's like, yeah, hey, me and Oliver, we're doing this podcast. I'm like, yeah, dude, whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. Just tell me why. <laughs> that was his answer. His answer was whatever you want to do. I'm fine. And, uh, and, and, that's... Talk about. and you're like, yeah, we'll talk about whatever the hell you want. I don't care. But it is so liberating, Joe, to be able to to feel that way because it, it was so hard for my career playing with this. Like, I remember we used to go have a beer when you came to New York and, and, and I was so paranoid. I would like go outside and, and, and I know you felt that and, and it's exhausting. So, to, to but Alex, what's the, sh- what's the shift, dude? You know what I mean? What's the shift? I, you know, what's the moment where you're, where you throw your hands up and you're like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't give a fuck what people think about me anymore. I'm going to be authentic to myself. Here's the middle finger. I'm going to be me. What, 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 what was that shift? I realized I kept getting in trouble uh, for things that I didn't need. Uh, I realized through my therapy uh, over the last five or six years that what I fucking have is enough. I'm six foot three. Mm-hmm. I, I run fast. I hit the ball a mile. I have a fucking cannon. I got mm-hmm. great hands. What the fuck do I need to be messing around with any garbage with? And when you finally look in the mirror and say, would you stop being a fucking idiot? And you say, I'm just enough. And guess what? Not everyone's going to fucking like you. And that's cool but I'm going to just try it, be myself. How about that for being fucking original? Mm-hmm. And if <laughs> when you, when you think back on your career, you know, uh, you and I talked about it on that show I did on audience network, you know, you, you have to seem that you, you drag around with you this whole steroid thing and, I, at what point have you and have you been able to set that aside and go, yeah, I did it. I was on a long list. Uh, you know, you have your reasons. I, you know, I, I've talked to players that played in the 60s, 70s. A lot of guys said that stuff wasn't even available to us back then. And who knows? I, I don't know. How, have you been able to set that aside and not have that kind of sit on your shoulder when you meet somebody or when you're you're doing your daily stuff? I do, Joe, because I think one of my 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 greatest gifts and curse was the suspension. That was the curse. Uh, the gift was that I served a suspension, and I lost over forty million dollars in that process. And and I think that people have tasted the blood, and and I've tasted the pain. And in many ways, if I would have been able to uh, escape that. Uh, it would have been harder, I believe, for myself to deal with and, and be for, for the consumer out there saying, this guy got away with something, right? So uh, I, I've been able to serve it, uh, asked and answered. And moving forward, I think that I have a, a tremendous story to tell young people that what you have is enough. And please, I beg you, don't make the same mistakes I made. It's not worth it. Um, and, and maybe, Joe, if, if it costs me the Hall of Fame and, and God knows I want to get there. But if I don't get there, then uh, my my responsibility could even be bigger to help the next generation. Yeah, because some of the tough conversations, this is what you talked about on that show that we did, you know, with with your daughters. You have to go back at some point. You have to go back and go, OK, here's here's my career. Um, and and you have to fess up to your kids. 
And and you've been through divorce. I've been through divorce. If there's anything harder than that, you know, other than dealing with something that's literally life and death, I don't know. Oliver hasn't been there. He's been the, you know, on the receiving end of it. But sitting your kids down and going through all that is one of the hardest things I have ever done in my life. Indeed. And uh, I tell you what, once you're able to overcome something like that, uh, you feel like uh, you're prepared for pretty much anything. And and I think, Joe, the thing when you think about how I've been able to put it on the side, well, it's something you'll never forget, obviously, and you shouldn't. Uh, the fact that at, at 40, 41 years old, after two hip surgeries and two knee surgeries, after serving a suspension, and one of the New York papers, after polling about 10,000 people, about 90% thought I wouldn't make the team, uh, about 7% thought I would, and the 3% were undecided. I think the 3% was my family, friends, and, and my kids. Those are the undecided. <laughs> and the fact that I had one of my best years of my career, uh, I think closing with a bang just told me uh, all I needed to know that I already figured out through my through my therapy. And I'm still trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. We're all, all trying to figure that out. You know, therapy's saved my life. Hey, man, blended family. I just want to touch on this before we get going, just because it's a thing that you know everyone sort of a lot of people are dealing with. How 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 does that work? And what are some, what's some advice? You know what I mean? Because it can be easy. It can be tough. You know. Yeah. I, I, look, I think for one, we're very lucky. We have four kids. Uh, when Jennifer and I connected, they were still young in the formative years. So. Uh, we've been very fortunate that they get along really, really well. And then I feel that it's, you know, it's give and take, right? You know, as, as a young person, I think I, I wanted to win every battle. Uh, now I choose to pick my battles and uh, not every win is, is that important. And, uh, you know, Jennifer and I met in, in our 40s. Uh, we're both New Yorkers. We're both Hispanic. Uh, we both have two children. Uh, we've both been through ups and downs. Uh, and in many ways, we've been, uh, you know, polarizing to a degree and, and uh, lightning rods. Um, and so we have a lot to connect with. And uh, we, we just love doing what we're doing. And, and, you know, for me, guys, the coolest thing is that we get to uh, help out a lot of young people and, and give back and use our platforms uh, for good. And, uh, and we're having a, a nice time. I've seen the two of you together and you make each other better. And, and there's, there's a calm that comes over you when, when she's there. And, and I've, I've been with you two a number of times and there's, there's a calm with her, which you don't expect. It's like, Whoa, this, these are just two kind of regular people. They're in love that, that are each other's fans. And, you know, when you find somebody that makes you a better person, that's, that's when you gotta, you gotta put your hooks in. That's right. That's right. And obviously, you have Michelle, and I see how wonderful you guys get along. And it's a big part because it really sets, you know, we say happy wife, happy life. It's kind of corny, but it's true. And uh, <laughs> I think it sets your your career and everything you're trying to do uh, better. Sorry. And the kid, all the kids get along? Yes, they do. They do. And that's, uh, that's not good. All the time, that, I mean, that could be a disaster. <laughs> not all the time they get along, but I would say for most of the time, they, they're, they're good troops. Yeah, but if they don't, I mean, that's normal. I, it would be, you know, it'd be so phony if they didn't. Yeah. Of course, of course. Um, well, cool. I got. I have one question just as, you know, as a parent, right? Because I question this myself. When you see your kid 
who is talented at something, how, how hard do you push them mm-hmm. to continue on? Because, you know, I, I notice this with my kids sometimes, you know, and I think as parents, we're actually pushing our kids a little too hard sometimes. But if you see talent in a child and they don't want to do it, you know, how do you sort of manipulate that or push them to be great, even if they're sort of resistant? Yeah, it's interesting, you know, having girls and, and, and not having a boy. Now, Max is, is my step boy, uh, and he's more into a computer and Activision. He's more of a, a coder, a savant-like uh, mind. But what we spend, Oliver, a lot of our time is identifying goals and really identifying metrics that equals a successful goal. Because, boy, when your stepmom is Jennifer Lopez, uh, you have to make sure that you measure these barometers properly. And we just hone in on process, 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 never talk about results. And if you can judge your passion and, and your results and how hard you work and how committed you are, I think that is a win that's a, a defendable position, something you can manage. Um, if you start saying that I need to sell out Madison Square Garden because my stepmom does, then you're setting yourself up for failure. So we really have a lot of try to have smart conversations about let's focus on what you see behind the curtains, what happens before 730 and the lights go on. That's where the real champions are, are born. That's great. Man, it's a good thing you had girls. <laughs> no, God, can you imagine that? Because most of these parents that are just crazy, like screaming at umpires and yelling at the kids and all that, they're trying to get their big league kid uh, to fulfill his dreams. You're like, yeah, I, you know, damn near hit 700 home runs in the big leagues, had 3,000 hits. I, you know, that's a tough one to live up to, too. Forget selling out <laughs> Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And Joe, I think one of my advantage was, you know, again, gift and curse. And I feel like my life has had a bunch of gifts and curse. Uh, the curse, obviously, is that my father was not there. Uh, the gift was that I had to be self-motivated and I had nobody pushing me besides my brother and some friends. But uh, so I'm very aware that while pushing your children, you got to be careful as a parent that you don't push them to, to, to not like the sport or, or whatever passion they're following. Can you imagine how proud... If you could really connect with your dad, could you imagine how proud he would be of where you sit right now? I mean, just in life, just what what's behind you, what's in front of you, what you're doing. You you, you know, you you went back to college. You 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 want to prove to people that that you can do anything you set your mind to. I mean, there's a drive in you that I I don't see with many people walking this planet. You know, Joe, I think he would be uh, like in tears, proud. Uh, I think mm. he really really would. I think there'd be a part of him that would be very upset that he left me at 10. Uh, I don't know if he can ever relive that. I hope that, you know, he's resting in peace, uh, not here with us anymore. But I'm glad that I had that day uh, weekend in Minnesota that Cynthia provided for me. Yeah. So he came in and then just came, walked back out. Yeah. And and then, then we kind of just a little bit like Oliver's doing now, text a little bit. And, and then, you know, about five years ago, he passed. But But of all the things that I've done, the thing he would be by far the most proud is that uh, we we bought Presidente the beer, which in Dominican Republic Presidente is like is like the Bible. It's like it's like the flag. <laughs> and growing up, he used to drink like twenty four Presidentes every night at dinner. So <laughs> oh, he was an God. ambassador of the beer. 
So, the, you know, in Presidente was founded in 1935, named after uh, Trujillo, a Dominican president. And, uh, you know, I'm so glad that I was able to have uh, buy this company with Anheuser-Busch. Uh, obviously, St. Louis, they have a big presence yeah. there. And it's I didn't the- know any of that. You got more oars in the water. It's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> so my You're father amazing. is dancing in his grave. This is, again, this, I don't know if this is too personal, but it's for me, I'm gonna, it's just from a personal level, you know, um, you know, my dad, obviously, we, we're trying to reconnect. A big thing is sort of mortality and him passing. And when he does, how I'm going to feel you know, at the time before we re- reconnected, Katie and I would even say, are we going to go to the funeral? I mean, it's a big thing because he is in his 70s or late 60s now. Um, and was that something for you that you ever thought about, you know, when you were trying to reconnect? Like, I, you know, I because I, 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 I sort of wrestle with that myself even a little bit. Yeah, I kind of mourned. Uh probably starting after that Minnesota trip. In my mind, I wanted to close the loop and I started mourning then. Uh. Uh, so I knew, I mean, here's a guy that that drank 24 presidencies every night and, and smoked cigarettes. I mean, this is the era and he lived into his 80s. And wow. quite honestly, a little bit like Mickey Mantle, I did not think that he would be around past 60 or 65 because of the way he lived. Uh, so the fact that he came to Minnesota, miracle number one, the fact he lived like 15 years after that, you know, miracle number two. So uh, when it happened, while it was uh, somber and, and a sad day, uh, I was very much prepared for it. How did you hear about it? Uh, I got a call from one of my aunts and uh, they said Victor, you know, passed yeah. in the middle of the night and he, he passed happily and uh, yeah. you know, mid eighties. Um, so he was, was there a relief in any way with you or was it just sort of like, wow, okay. On, yeah, you know, there was a bit of a relief that, that, that he died um, past, uh, not in, in so much pain. Yeah. And that, you know, it was, you know, I think, I think most people would roll the dice and say, I'll take mid eighties and, uh, and take it on to the house, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I got one question for you, Oliver. Tell me about yeah. your golf game and where's your handicap right now? Yeah. Dude, my golf game is is not existent. Even though I get I can get out and play and it's still good. You know, I'm still probably like a two or a three, but you know, I was I was playing. I was I, it's it's just look, if I can brag about any sport, it's golf. It, it's just a part of me. It's inside of me. I can go out and play a good round of golf without having played in so annoying, nine months. Alex. In fact, this is the week that he and I should be together in a golf tournament down in Mexico. And uh, obviously with what's going on in the world, that's the least of anybody's concerns. But that guy, he can play. He's got a sweet left-handed swing, as you know. And uh, you know, it compares to some of the all-time greats. He really is. He dragged me out there. Uh, That's right. He would just embarrass me. It was, it was, yeah, man. Well, dude, let me, I just want to say this in closing, you know, you have such an amazing platform and you're doing incredible things for a lot of people, but your authenticity, the way that you're able to sort of speak candidly, especially in an interview like this, I think can help more people than you even know, or maybe you do. Uh, There's a lot of people who are going through the same situations that you went through that we all went through through, you know, that I went through anyway. 
And I know when people listen to this, they're going to take something from it just from a relatable standpoint, you know, because you are a God to a lot of people and gods don't have flaws in their minds. But when they can bring them, when they can take a God and bring them down to earth a little bit, I think it's soothing and can help a a lot of people. And I thank you, dude, for your candor because. Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable, Alex. I'm, I'm proud of you, you know, as a friend of yours. And somebody who I respect, and and I've been blown away with what you've done in in your second life here as a broadcaster, uh, Shark Tank and everything else that you got going on. I'm proud of you for getting to this point where you can be open. And it's harder now than ever in this world with social media and everything else and people sniping and taking shots. And the more you can you can fight that current and you know open up, good for you. I'm I'm really proud of you. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for having me on. And it's a great show, man. And uh, yeah. Thanks, I, hope it, I hope it goes well. Thank you, Thanks, man. brother. All right, All right, Alex. Have a great time. Thank you, guys. All right, brother. Thank, thank you, you so, much. so much. Amazing. How good wow. was that? Wow. That was awesome. I Sam, mean, are you okay? You guys topped yourselves. That was amazing. That was great. That was really good. Wow. What cool, Alex. I wasn't expecting that. Wow. Total shift, dude. That guy is... You know, it was really cool. I mean, it was it was it was surprising. Honestly, I, I I didn't realize he would be so sort of open. And I meant that at the end when I said I'm proud of him because I did not expect that either. And and he's you know I had him on that show, which was I don't know three years ago, four years ago, whatever it was. He's grown a lot since then, and and yeah. I don't know if it's because he's more in the public eye in a weird way, you know, not mm-hmm. just because of, of Jennifer, but because he's on ESPN, he's on Fox, he's on Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's out mm-hmm. there even more than just being kind of hidden in a baseball uniform or a dugout or the player's lounge. He's had to be this to be successful, and he's done a lot of work. And, man, I, I just love seeing him in this place because he can do a lot of great things. He's a really smart dude. He is a really he is. smart he is. guy. Well, it just feels like he's taken his armor off. You know what I mean? And he does these TikTok videos where, you know, he's looking stupid or whatever. I don't just don't think he cares as much about the perception of Alex Rodriguez. I think he's like, you know, I'm just going to be me. You know, I'm I'm happy in my relationship. I'm happy in my life. You know, he's had a true, you know, second coming in, in the baseball world as far as what he does now. And, you know, he's just, uh, he's grateful. You can, you can feel that he's sort of a grateful person now, yeah. you know? Yeah, and he was a hell of a player. I mean, it, oh you know, like he God. said, and he drags the steroid thing around, but for a guy that came up the way he did and was in the big leagues at 18, big-bodied shortstop, his, his idol was Cal Ripken Jr., and he was... You know, he had power. He could play that defensive position. I mean, ends up with almost 700 home runs. Uh, yeah, I, it's he was a hell of an athlete, and you know, could have played probably played anything. As you read the history on him, he was he was more interested in basketball for a time yeah. in his life, and you know, probably yeah. Could have been he a reminds great me. Uh, too. He reminds me of me. You know, yeah, yeah. very much so. Just the Only, way, just you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Just, no. You know what I mean? Like, just that, no. the level of sort of, no? I mean. No, not at all. No. I could have. Just set the microphone down. Set the microphone down. Well. Just walk away. I, you know, Take I just your, had, I had, well, you know, I just had a lot of talent, just not a lot of drive. So if, if I oh. had the drive, right. So if I had the drive, 
you know, that's what I mean. I've see just, that it's something it's, that we can talk about. <laughs> that a lot of these athletes, when they say, "Well, he had the God-given yeah. talent," mm-hmm. but he also had to work. And you know, oh. Wayne Gretzky, those guys bristle at that. Be- yeah. They bristle at that because it's like, yeah, okay, there was something. I don't care. You know, I'm not going to be an Olympic sprinter no matter how many times I run in my backyard. But for Gretzky or Alex or Jordan or whoever, there were hour upon hour upon hour Kobe. of practice. Yeah. Kobe, all yeah. those guys. I mean, Gretzky skating as a little kid in his backyard pond that his dad froze over till mm-hmm. midnight. I mean, that's, yep. yeah, there's God given ability, but there's also somebody working their ass off to be great. And that's. And that's what all Oh, yeah. Guys. Oh, well, look at you. I mean, you still spend at least 20 minutes a night in the mirror like, hey, welcome to the hey. World Series. Hey, everybody. Welcome ah. to the World Series. Ah. Yeah, that's... Ah. Well, Kevin Bob uh-huh. Gardner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did you ever practice that shit? By the way, I mean, growing up or in coming a mirror? up, mirror. I think I would have. My family would have had me committed. I know, I know, but but I, did you? But I you did. Just, I did games into a tape recorder in an empty booth you next did. to my dad when I was like 13, 14, 15 years old. Then we popped the tape out. My dad and I would listen to the tape on the way home after the game. Yeah, that's how I. And that's how I like, practiced. Like little buck, you suck. You've got to get your shit together. Have you ever heard my dad's voice? Because that could—that sounds like a Simpsons character. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody! Welcome to baseball. <laughs> yeah, no. My dad was. It, well, yeah, I know. When little, when little kids uh, would ask my dad for his advice about how they get started in broadcasting, his first response was always, "Start smoking." Which is not what you should tell kids. That's amazing. You need to get your voice deeper. Because I came in, I was 21, and I was sitting in that same booth with him, and he's like this, and Mike Shannon's like this, and I'm like, hey, uh, ground ball to shortstop. I, I had to literally fake a deep voice until it finally stuck. Right. But I, I, I was like Bobby Brady waiting for my voice to crack, or Peter Brady, and... Uh, <laughs> At one time, it did on the air, and I was like the curtain came up on the Wizard of Oz. I was calling some play at the plate, and my voice cracked, and I sounded like I was 11, and I was wow. 21. That's going to be a close play at the plate. He's safe. Oh. Yeah, it's exactly what it was. Langford <laughs> is safe, safe at the plate. I said, it was so bad. So bad, and I kept, they kept playing it on the radio because it was an unbelievable game. This game, Ray Langford knocked Darren Dalton into the dugout, ball drops, and I'm like screaming. I was like, "Oh, please stop running that highlight." It's you so know what bad. I wanted to ask Alex that I didn't get to ask him. Just the one question: if he remembers the exact sequence of his first at bat. Those guys, yeah, they remember. You think everything. he does? Like, I mean, I mean, well, he, he like, remembered. He, he remembered a kid in little league. That yeah, pitched against him that had freckles. That was yeah. yeah that, they remember that, those those guys are like that. Yeah, so yeah. you know that first pitch was high and outside. He took it. You know, second pitch was like you know a slider inside that he swung at. I mean, I'm sure he remembers all of I'm that. Sure right? he does. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure he can't. Your yeah. first at bat, absolutely. Because yeah, I don't yeah, care yeah. who you are, you got to have nerves bouncing around, and it's got to make an indelible imprint in your it, mind. Exactly. Yeah. 
But he doesn't remember every one of his 696 home runs or 3,100 hits. I wouldn't think. Man, that was that was cool. That was really cool. I, I uh, that was exciting for me. You know, it was fun to talk to him. It's been a minute for me, and it was just fun to talk to him on like just sort of a, a dad sort of personal level. And the year know? that he won the World Series, his only ring, 2009, was the year that he was dating a lovely lady named Kate Hudson. We even talk about that. That's your sister. That's right. May I remind that's you? Right. That's right. That's right. She takes credit. She takes Did she credit. get a ring? No, she should have gotten a ring. She should have gotten, cool. <laughs> <laughs> gotten a ring. She should have gotten a ring. Amazing. That'd be um, great. All right, I gotta go. Yeah, I gotta okay. go. I love you all. Goodbye. I love you too. What? Oliver, we gotta tell him that. Please, for the love oh, of yeah. God, if if you share like this episode. episode, you gotta share it. There's an icon there. That's all right. you gotta do is hit the icon and then share it to your hit friends, the share especially icon. all your Yankee friends. All your Yankee friends. Share, share the episode. Push the share button. Subscribe. Share. You know, send it, send it in smoke signals if you have to. You know what I if mean? If Cher had a podcast, would the Cher yes. icon be C-H-E-R? <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> so share, share that shit. Share that shit. 